So we have been, uh, during, throughout this wild sermon series, going through a book by Bob Goff called Everybody Always. It's available for 10 bucks in the foyer. It just really goes along well with uh, our Sunday morning teachings. And um, it's been an awesome journey, kind of journeying through this book together. And I've yet to really give out any spoilers that ends next week. And so if you've been reading the book, but you're like, I'm not finished yet. If you don't finish by next week, I will give away the ending because it is the best part. Uh, and so try and finish before next week. Let me begin by painting the picture of two very different days uh, for you. Day number one begins this way. You wake up a little later than usual And you could stress out, but you sit and have your breakfast, and you realize that there are many people in the world who don't get a good night's sleep, don't have warm blankets, and don't have food, and they wake up hungry. And so then you get in the car, and traffic is not so great. But you put on your favorite song, and it just gives you a little more time to just jam together, you know, you in the car, uh, and sing it at the top of your lungs before you get to work. You get to work, and you're happy. But you do have a pretty difficult boss. Um, But you remind yourself that there are a lot of people and a lot of friends that you have that don't have any employment, and so you're grateful. At the end of the day, you're driving home, and as you're exhausted driving home, you realize that your friend's birthday party is tonight. You completely forgot about it. And so you don't feel like going, but you, you pull into Walgreens, you pick out the funniest greeting card you can get, right? Funniest birthday card. And then you giggle all about it, all the way to the, the, the party. You go, you're there, you're blessing to others. You get home exhausted, full of life, but ready for sleep. Day number two. Day number two. You wake up and realize that you have hit the snooze way too many times. Over breakfast, you ruminate how not smart you are. I stayed up way too late last night, and I hit the snooze too many times today. I always do this. Why do I do this? Then you get in your car, and it's as if every car in front of you was placed by Satan so that you cannot get to work on time. Bumper-to-bumper traffic. You spend the entire time wishing that everyone in the world would just disappear. You get to work and you're reminded the whole day about what a jerk you work for and how hard that boss is to work with. You spend the entire day wishing and praying for another job to work for a different person. You drive home. On your way home, you remember your friend's birthday party. You think of all the conversations you're going to have to have about this and that. But you pull over, you rush into Walgreens, you buy a get well soon card just to stick it to the guy. And then you get home just hating life, falling asleep. What's the difference in those two days? Because I'll tell you this, that the content of those two days is exactly the same. What has changed is the person's attitude, the person's focus. The two days are the exact same, except for the choice of the person experiencing them. There will be days in our lives that are particularly difficult and troubling. And there'll be days of great joy as well. But most of the days of our lives are somewhere like the days that we just described, right? The the bologna sandwich days, just normal. Do you have joy in the middle of that? What you choose to focus in on will determine whether you love your life or you hate your life. 
do you have joy? And that's what we're focusing in on this morning for Wild Week 3. And it's not like two weeks ago we talked about love, last week we talked about faith, and then this week it's joy. No, joy is the natural byproduct of authentic faith and love. 1 John 1, a tiny little letter in the back of the New Testament, says this, it'll be on the screens. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you and what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may be fully, that you may fully share our joy. Now, the original language of the New Testament is Greek. And in the Greek text, this is one entire sentence. The entire passage of Scripture that we read, it took up two pages on this giant screen, is one sentence in Greek. It's one of the longest sentences in the New Testament. It's not the longest. There's, a, there's one in Ephesians that spans 11 verses, but this one is up there. It's one sentence. It's a, it's a run-on sentence. Come on, John. If you knew you were writing the Bible, wouldn't you have better grammar? It's, it's awkward in Greek, but it's almost impossible to translate perfectly in English. But everything you learned in fourth grade grammar, you throw out the window. Uh, What's happening in this first few verses of this letter that John's writing is that there is urgency here. John comes in flying. It's kind of like this. Like, imagine you and I are neighbors, okay? And I knock on the door, and before you can even open the door, I walk in the house, okay? That's what kind of friends we are, what neighbors are. It's a lot like Kramer from Seinfeld, right? So I fling that door open, and I come into your house, and then I just say, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe this. So I was walking it back from taking out the trash and this guy walks up to me and he comes up to me and he's like, hey, do you know what time it is? And you know who it was? You know it was right in the flesh, right there in front of me on my street, on your street, next to your house. It was live, in person, the one and the only. You would be at the edge of your seat, right? You're like, who is it? Tell me, tell me, I wanna know what happened. That's what John's doing here. This letter begins with urgency that he just does this long run-on sentence. He says, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched, what we have proclaimed, it begins with passion. What is John so excited about? Well, he's fired up about Jesus, Sunday school answer, for sure. But he says at the end of this gigantic sentence, he says this, it'll be on the screens. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Jesus calls us toward a different kind of life filled with lasting joy. My son, who's four, loves the movie Inside Out. Uh, and so here's some of the characters that are on it. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Inside Out? Okay, the basic general plot is that there are these emotions in our minds battling for control, okay? My favorite character, the best character, is Joy, okay? Joy is played by Amy Poehler. Awesome, great character. And the, the, uh, the problem with this metaphor, and with joy in particular, is that joy in the film is only an emotion. But that's not real life. Joy is not only an emotion. Emotions, happiness, happiness is an emotion. But joy is altogether different. And there's a massive difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a temporary pleasant state of mind that results from desirable circumstances or surroundings. That's happiness. It's temporal. 
In a moment, it can change to sadness or sorrow, just like that, right? You ever been playing with a baby? You're like, ooh, shoo, ooh, shoo, ooh, shoo, ooh, shoo, ooh, shoo. And they're like, ah, you know, and they're laughing and stuff. And then you, you keep doing, hey, watch this, watch this, ooh, shoo, ooh, shoo. And then all of a sudden, and you can tell that something has changed. It went from happiness to sorrow, just like that. Or you might be driving a new sports car and you're like, this is awesome. I'm loving this. I love life. I'm so happy. Until you look in your rearview mirror and you see red and blue lights. <laughs> happiness, sorrow. Joy is a constant state of the spirit. Happiness is a state of mind. Joy is a state of spirit. We are in pursuit of joy, but we're only finding happiness. There must be something more. Joy is bigger, better, and more beautiful than happiness. Let me say it another way. Um, there's a, several realities that we live in every day in our world. And if my reality is good, I'm happy. If my reality is bad, I'm sad. And we've got a little graph here to kind of demonstrate this. But those are appropriate emotions. Something bad happens in your life, Okay, you're a little bit sad. Something good happens in your life, you're happy. That's appropriate. That's your reality. Then there's the world around me. It's not just me, but it's also my relationships. This is the world reality. You could be watching something on the news and it could affect uh, my reality, right? The world can affect it. Now you're sad. Now you're happy. You see stuff happening in our world. It also contributes to our happiness or our sadness. But there is a larger world than that, which is the context in which every reality happens and that's God. For in him, we live, move, and have our being. As the book of Acts says, it's ultimate reality. And ultimately, I'm here, present on this planet, because God wants me here. There was a world without John, and God thought it would be better to have a world with John. I can celebrate that. I can find, I can delight in that. And you can delight in that as well. For you, not that I'm here, but for you personally. God thought it was better that you'd be here. He loves me. He gives me the capacity to love others. So happiness and sadness are appropriate in my reality, in the reality of the world. But joy, it's something else. It exists in ultimate reality. It's not based on your external circumstances. You can have joy even in the midst of sorrow. There's an ancient fable about three men in the bags that they carried. Each man had two bags, one tied on front of his neck and the other tied on the back. When the first man was asked what was in his bags, he said, in the bag on my back are all of the good things friends and family we have done. That way they're hidden from view. In, in the front bag are all the bad things that have happened to me. Every now and then I stop, open up the front bag, take things out, examine them and think about them and feel sorry for myself. Because he stopped so much to concentrate on all the bad stuff, he never really made much progress in his life. The second man was asked about his bags. And he says, in front are all the good things I've done. I like to see them. So quite often I take them out to show people. The bag in the back, well, that's where I keep all of my mistakes. I carry them around all the time. Sure, they're heavy and they slow me down, but I just can't seem to get rid of them. When the third man was asked about his bags, he answered, the bag in front is great. That's where I keep all my positive thoughts that I have about all the blessings that I've experienced and all the things that people have done for me. 
The weight isn't a problem. The bag is like a ship with sails, and it keeps moving forward. The bag on my back, that's empty. There's nothing in it. I cut a big hole in the bottom of it so that whenever I put things there, they do not remain with me. It's no extra weight at all. What are you carrying? Have you been weighed down by the things of this life, your reality, the world reality? There's freedom for us in Christ. Do you desire the kind of life that has the joy that isn't based on our external circumstances? The kind of joy that lasts, the kind of joy that is transformative, not only for us, but for the world. It's ours in Christ. C.S. Lewis says this, a car is made to run on petrol or gas. He's British. And it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There's no such thing. The fruit of the spirit, says in Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know what's not there? Seriousness. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is. Joy is. If we are not experiencing the kind of joy that is ours in Christ, there are two reasons why. This will be on the screens. Either one, we are not practicing our faith correctly, or two, we are practicing our faith correctly, but our faith itself is not conducive to joy. I think it's the former, not the latter. If you are not experiencing the the joy that exists in ultimate reality, and you're a follower of Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Not too long ago, my son and I were playing uh, on the phone, and we had downloaded like this, Bible cartoon app, and he's like watching it and wants to always talk about it or show it, and um, and I hear the doorbell ring, and uh, it, it, our friend comes over, and he's just like, "Hey man, can we talk?" And I go, "Dude, yeah, man, no problem." And so we go in the backyard, and uh, I, I go, "Hey Dex, here, you just you play with Daddy's phone," and we start talking. He starts telling me about this hard time that he's going through, this 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 difficulty. And he's venting. And I'm going, God, what do you want me to say? How can I help this guy? Uh, And uh, he says this to me. My friend goes, he goes, I mean, where is God in the middle of all this? Have you ever been there? Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, where are you? I'm asking, I'm wishing, I'm hoping, I'm praying, but you seem distant. And so right there in the backyard, he says, it's like, God, where are you in all this? And at that exact moment, my son Dex grabs my friend's face and says, look, look, and shows him what he's playing with on my phone. And it's a cartoon of Jesus on the cross. And we all paused And the Spirit of God just confirmed. It was as if the Spirit of God was saying to us, there I am, suffering alongside you, crying with you, next to you. I am not unfamiliar with suffering. I myself have suffered, and I love you. We are loved by God. I want to invite Macy and the worship band to come up, and and we'll close, but 
I'm blown away by the love of God. We're loved. You're pursued by the God of the universe. Your problems don't define you. Your failures don't define you. We're loved. It's the most earth-shattering truth the world has ever known, that we're loved by the God of the universe. And it changes us. I love listening to music. Whether I'm working out or on a jog, um, in my car. And I also love when the weather's nice, not like right now, but when it's nice, I like all four windows down, music up all the way. There's something about the wind blowing in me losing my hair. And, <laughs> and I just jam. And I remember this one particular time, I got super into a song. I stop at a light, and I'm just jamming hard with my eyes closed, belting it. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard me sing. It's, it sounds good to two people, me and the Lord. That's it. And so I am jamming. And I'm at the stoplight, just jamming, just feeling it. And I get that sixth sense. Someone's watching me. And so I I open my eyes and I look over and I make eye contact to like a 48-year-old woman who's just staring hard. And I kind of adjust the music and I'm, you know. And luckily for me, like it was something that was like, you know, somewhat appropriate for a guy singing alone in his car. I'm singing like Garth Brooks or something, but like, what if it was Sir Mix-a-Lot? You know, like, what if I'm like, I like big, but I cannot lie. You other brothers, and I'm just belting it, and then I look and make eye contact with this 48-year-old woman. Now, the songs we sing matter. I'm not talking about music. You see, we as the body of Christ hear the music of God and we move to that music. We move our lives to that music. We don't yell at people and demand that they hear it too. We don't pull someone out on the dance floor and make them dance to the music as well. There's a word for when you pull someone onto the dance floor and they don't want to dance. Assault, okay? Don't do that. So we get into situations where someone is rude, kind, or inconsiderate. What do we do? Do we fight back with words? No, that's not the song we sing. We hear a different tune. So everyone's joking around at the office and the jokes move from rude to rather mean. Do we hop in on those jokes? No, we sing a different song. We sing a song of encouragement. You and your spouse get into a disagreement and you know that you can end the argument with a one-liner that you know would just close it all off. You bring up one situation in the past and and you could just end the argument right there and you would win. That's not the song we sing. Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrongs. It's about reconciliation. It's about mercy. It's about compassion. It's about the joy of the Lord filling us up so that we can pour him out into a world that so desperately needs him. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we sing a different song. God, I thank you for Alex and that his The song he sings is so radically different than the one he used to sing. Thank you for the joy in his life. Thank you for the love in his life with his family and his friends. God, thank you that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. 
The old is gone and the new has come. And God, we thank you for your reckless love. That there's no mountain you won't climb, no sea you won't swim, no failure too big for you to overcome. And God, we thank you that your love pursues us. That you leave the 99 sheep to attend to the one who's wayward, who has strayed, and you rejoice in finding that one. We're that one. You pursue us in the midst of our mess. You pursue us in the midst of our brokenness. You pursue us in the midst of our failures and our shortcomings, in our addictions, in our lies, in our greed. God, you pursue us when we were still sinners. You died for us. We thank you for your reckless God, love, Lord Jesus, for how you modeled it. God, may we go and live a life of reckless love. May that lead to the abundant life and joy you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we declare together the reckless love of God?